Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We do have a lot to cover today. Today, August 24th, Brewers coming off really a, a lackluster week on the field. Brock Holt was designated for assignment, a big piece of news there, among other things. With that, we'll get started and we'll start talking about the Brewers. We're just going to go right ahead and analyze the last six games that they've played over the past week. And so they started off with a three-game set in Minneapolis against the Twins at Target Field. Lost two out of three. First game was uh, was quite the thriller in that, especially if you watch those last four innings, the first eight were not so much. The Brewers actually were no hit by Kenta Maeda through eight innings, and they ended up scrapping three runs across the board in the ninth. They they forced extra innings, and the, the game went 12 innings, which is a, a big surprise considering the new extra inning rules. Nobody was able to score. Overall, one thing that I am a little bit dissatisfied with is I feel like Craig Council is a little bit too reluctant to bunch in extra innings. So while you may on average score less runs when you bunt uh, with a runner on second and nobody out, you also increase your likelihood of scoring one run. And I think that that's something that should be considered because because scoring one run in an extra inning, even if you start with a runner on second base as the visiting team, I think is something that is still pretty good. And so I think that the Brewers should have done that a little bit more. But I do have trust in uh, in Craig Council, and so I, I know that Craig Council knows what he's doing, and there's a reason for why he decided to do that. But Kencha Maeda went eight innings, 12 strikeouts, one hit. The run ended up scoring after it was inherited by Taylor Rogers, and he allowed two more himself. So the Brewers tied it up. Caleb Thielbar, Jorge Alcala uh, ended up sealing it for the Twins. David Phelps allowed the run in the 12th inning that scored Byron Buxton. Happened to be the runner that was placed on second. Uh, a disadvantage for the Brewers, but one of the things that just happens uh, when you when you have something like that. He was the one who got the last out of the previous inning, so he was placed on second base. And overall... You know, I'm actually kind of indifferent to the extra inning rule for this year. It's a, a crazy year, and I think it's okay to experiment with it long term. I'd rather have it be such that extra innings are the same, but then there's the possibility of a tie after 13 innings, 14 innings, something along those lines. Maybe institute this a little bit later, maybe not right away in the 10th inning. But either way, I, I'm okay with it, with them experimenting with it in this uh, this this odd season. And so Brewers fell victim to that runner on second scoring in the bottom of the 12th, fell 4-3 to the Twins on Tuesday in the eventful game that it was. Then they, the Bats came alive in Game 2, really the only time all week that the Bats came alive. 9-3 victory over the Twins. They put up a 4 spot in the 3rd and the 5th, so those were where, where the runs primarily came from. They tagged Rich Hill for four runs over two and two-thirds, and then Lewis Thorpe, who came in and threw four innings of relief, allowed four runs as well. Brett Anderson pitched really well, six innings, one run, and so that was that was a big thing, and Drew Rasmussen made his major league debut, two innings, no runs. That was a big thing also. We did talk about Perdomo and Rasmussen a little bit last week, but neither of them had debuted. Perdomo debuted allowing a run in one inning on Tuesday. Rasmussen threw two scoreless, three strikeouts, looked really good. Fastball up to 99 miles an hour, spotted it pretty well, was able to keep the ball in the strike zone, wipe out slider. Rasmussen looked really good. Perdomo looked like somebody who's got a lot of talent there. He was up to, I believe, 97, 98 miles an hour with his fastball. 
but lacked a little bit of repeatability with his delivery. And that's going to be a problem with, with someone at the major league level who uh, is trying to get outs and trying to find consistency with their delivery. And so Perdomo was actually optioned back out to the alternate training site, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But Rasmussen with a really strong showing. Knable, yet another poor outing two-thirds of an inning allowing three hits in a walk including two runs Claudio ended up coming in and finishing it out with a, a scoreless third of an inning got the last out so the Brewers took game two nine three it was nice to see Braun two for four Yelich two for four and here a three for four so those are all guys that you really want the Brewers to get going in a big way they they need those guys to be able to be successful and Garcia was two for four as well, another guy who's a key to the offense. And so it was good to see the Brewers' big bats actually perform like they are the big bats of the lineup, unlike what we've been seeing lately in that game on Wednesday. Thursday, they came out and played a, a poor game overall, lost 7-1 to the Twins. Woodruff, five innings, two runs, not great. Freddie Peralta came in and allowed two runs over two innings. And then Perdomo, three runs allowed over an inning. Peralta... Inherited two runners from Woodruff and uh, allowed one of them to score. So he actually did an okay job of keeping them in the game until it ultimately got out of hand a little bit later in the game from Perdomo when they were down 4-1 already. And so Brewers fell to the Twins. And overall, another poor showing from the, the, the offense. Yelich, Hira, Smoke, Sogard, and Arcia each tallying one hit. And that was it for the offense. And so they did have a walk as well from Hira, but... You need more base runners than that to score. And so, um, yeah, the Brewers' offense clearly struggling. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. And uh, and so Brewers ended up dropping two out of three from the Twins where they headed to Pittsburgh and had not much fortune in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is one of the worst teams in the major leagues, and yet the Brewers ended up being swept by the Pirates. Uh, kind of a, a testament to how poorly the ball club has been lately. Game 1, 7-2 loss. Hauser started. Hauser went 7 innings, 4 runs. Claudio allowed 3 runs in his 1 inning of work. And so Hauser's overall been decent this year. He only struck out 3 batters in 7 innings, but 7 innings, 4 runs. Not, not necessarily the greatest start, but at least they were able to get a little bit of length out of him. Claudio with a poor showing, though. He, uh, he he ruined his ERA. So relievers, that's kind of the thing, with the tricky thing with relief ERAs are you're going to have some of those outings where you go an inning, four runs, and then that kind of throws off the ERA because whereas a starting pitcher then might be able to bounce back with another four scoreless innings, relievers can't do that until they've pitched, you know, four more games over the next week and a half. And so um, some of the numbers might be skewed by, by relievers. But anyways, Hauser and Claudio combining to allow 14 hits over uh, over eight innings and seven runs allowed. Gamble went three for four, so it was good to see Gamble break out. He has been struggling lately, and, and Yelich did have that one hit, uh, scored a run in an RBI. Gamble hit, did hit a home run as well, as did Yelich. And Urias went one for three in the game, but the Brewers only tallying five hits and making two errors on the field. Not a great showing yet again. 12-5 defeat on the hands of the Pirates on Saturday, and... Again, Brewers did not look very good. That's, that's kind of the theme of the week. But Lindblom started, he went four innings, three runs. But every pitcher allowed at least two runs. Suter an inning, two runs. Yardley an inning, two runs, one earned. Perdomo, two-thirds of an inning, three runs. Rasmussen, one and a third, two runs. And so the Brewers, you know, the bullpen was not particularly strong in this game. And the bullpen has really been the bright spot of the team. You can't necessarily fault the bullpen 
for uh, for not having it one game, you know. Uh, it, it happens, and, and the bullpen has overall actually been pretty good. It's more been the offense and then a little bit of the rotation. And so the Brewers tallying seven hits, and Keston here did hit a three-run shot, kind of brought them within striking distance 7-4 before the Brewers coughed up a five spot in the seventh, and that put the game out of reach for the crew. Mark Mathias came up and hit two doubles in the Saturday game, was held out of the lineup after his, uh, his good performance on Saturday, um, which is... I don't know, we've kind of seen that a little bit, but uh, Arcia one for three. Again, Arcia seems like he gets at least a hit every game, pretty much. Uh, Garcia, one for two, and uh, Jace Peterson made his Brewers debut on Saturday as well. Keston here having that three-run shot, so he did go one for four with three RBIs. So that took the Brewers to game three of the series, looking to at least salvage one game out of the three-game series, which they were unable to do. They took a 4-2 lead in the sixth after Justin Smokes, a uh, two-run shot clanked off the foul pole, and they then allowed a run in the seventh off of a single, excuse me, in the sixth off of a single, and then a two-run shot off the bat of Gregory Polanco in the eighth off of David Phelps ended up costing them the game. They fell 5-4. Richard Rodriguez sealed the game for the Pirates, and so Burns five and a third, three runs, looked okay. Peralta one and two-thirds, no runs, allowed one of the inherited runners to score from Burns. Um, the offense was... A little bit better, but again, not great. We haven't really seen the, the offense really firing on all cylinders at any point yet this year. Smoke was two for four with three RBIs. Hira one for four, scored two runs. Urias one for three. Narvaez two for four. Arcia did not get his hit, so I guess I was wrong about that. He does not get a hit every game, but Narvaez two for four with uh, an off-the-wall single and a double as well. And the Brewers ended up stranding the bases loaded in that sixth inning. And that really could have, could have been the difference because if they broke open the game, they were already up 4-2. And if they put up uh, maybe another two runs, a 6-2 game, and the Brewers then are, are not necessarily putting the game away, but they are in a really good spot to win. And so Brewers were unable to do that. It ended up costing them the game 5-4 defeat to the Pirates and the Brewers get swept by the Buccos. Not a good week for Brewers baseball. Um, I, I think that pretty much every Brewer fan can agree on that, and that's something that we'll have to watch. Are the Brewers going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? The trade deadline is a week from today, August 31st, and so the Brewers could go a number of directions. We could see them buy. They, they do need some offense. One name that is on the market is Hunter Pence. He was waived by the Giants. I would actually like to see the Brewers pick him up if they're able to. They need another bat, even though he hasn't performed well this year. I do think he could turn it around a little bit, and Veteran bats are, are pretty cheap to come by, including Hunter Pence. They could probably either get him in a, a minor trade for some cash considerations or a player to be named later, or they could just pick him up off waivers as well. And so I think that could be a route the Brewers could go to. Hunter Pence was actually drafted by the Brewers originally, did not sign when he was drafted, and then ended up being drafted by Houston a few years later. Um, just an interesting side note. I think he was drafted in, what, 2000 by the Brewers? He was out of high school. Let me check real quick uh oh one oh one 2001 geez he was drafted by the brewers the year miller park open so he's been around for a while and uh could see the brewers pick him up i'd say it's an outside chance but either way the brewers need more offense and an outfielder or maybe a corner infielder would be a guy that the brewers would like to pick up if they have the ability to otherwise they could go a different direction they could sell i don't see the brewers having a, a fire sale by any means the brewers will still keep their core largely intact 
But what we could see is kind of selling off just some of the marginal pieces. Guys like Brett Anderson, David Phelps, Eric Sogar, Jed Jerko. You're not really going to get a whole lot for any of them. That's the thing. And so we could see the Brewers choose to just kind of stand pat at the deadline. I think that actually might be the best move for the Brewers. Maybe add a piece here or there without really giving up much of anything. And so it will be interesting to see. We'll have, of course, a lot more clarity on this in a week when we're recording our next episode of the podcast. And we'll be able to know. I do think that it'll be a little bit of a quiet trade deadline. Of course, this season is anything from normal, but also there are going to be 16 teams in the playoff race, and the standings are a little bit more more uh, uh, close together in that there's not as much of a gap between the, the better teams and the worst teams, some teams overperforming that may cause them to uh, reevaluate and maybe even choose to either stand pat or buy teams like the Orioles, who are sitting at 500 right now. The Giants are 14 and 16, just uh, a few games out from that last spot for the postseason. Miami sitting at 11 and 11. Um, Pittsburgh is a clear seller. Um, even Arizona is only a couple games below 500, and as are the Rockies, who have lost seven straight um, and lost nine of 10. And so Rockies trending downwards may choose to try to salvage their season. Uh, Boston is another clear seller, but. Um, other than maybe Pittsburgh, Boston, Kansas City, Detroit, and the Angels, those are probably the five clear sellers. Other than that, we may see teams either stand pat or choose to buy. And so I think that that's going to ultimately affect uh, what the Brewers will want because they're going to be there's going to be more competition for for some of those guys. So we could see the Brewers either selling off their guys because they they're in a seller's market. It's more advantageous to the seller with a, with a little bit of a smaller supply in guys that are available. So the Brewers right now sitting in third, tied for third place with the Reds. The Reds have not been playing good baseball either, sitting at 11 and 15. Cubs 17 and 10, not playing the best right now. Their run differential is actually only at plus four. Cardinals 9 and 8 sitting in second place. They've actually got uh, got some games in now which is uh, a change for once. They've they've been actually playing Reds and Brewers again tied at 11-15 and the Pirates 7 and 17 in last place. Uh, Pirates will likely sit in last place for the remainder of the year but Pirates run differential is only five runs worse than the Brewers, so that is something that is concerning. Brewers are four games below 500 at negative 26 run differential. So Brewers not performing particularly well. Um, and if you look at some of the other divisions in baseball, Atlanta's leading the NL East. Kind of a, a tight race there for second place between Miami, New York Mets, Nationals, and the Phillies. Phillies' bullpen has been particularly bad as of late. And so they did acquire Brandon Workman. Um, he he should help the, uh, the ball club. And uh, they still, though, are, I think, a few pieces away. I, I kind of think that the Phillies didn't um, didn't develop a good enough core within their system, and so buying players from the outside will not end up working out in the end. And then in the NL West, the Dodgers are 22-8, and eight, but the Padres have looked really good. They're on a seven-game winning streak. Um, the big, the big uh, brouhaha in, uh, you might say, in, in San Diego and uh, Texas's series. Tatis swinging 3-0. Many of you probably heard about that. But uh, the ironic thing is Tatis hits a grand slam when they were up 7-0. Not only are the Rangers upset, and then two days later, the, the Phillies actually blew a seven-run lead. And so some people are saying, well, the game wasn't even over. It was 7-0. I definitely would be more more in agreement with that side. But then the Padres come back out in Game 2 of the series, win the game against the Rangers, big hit of the game, grand slam off the bat of Will Myers this time. Game 3, Padres beat the Rangers, 
big hit comes a, a grand slam off of the bat of Manny Machado, I believe. And game four against the Rangers again to cap off the series. Big hit comes as a grand slam off the bat of Eric Hosmer. Padres once again beat the Rangers four straight games, four grand slams, and the Padres swept the Rangers. So that was a big storyline of the week. Giants then sitting at 14 and 16 in the NL West. Rockies 13 and 15 tied with the Giants there. And then Arizona just a half game back of them at 13 and 16. Arizona's not looked very good, but you know, they still have a pretty good ball club. I could see them sneaking into maybe a late a, a late late season uh, surge to get into the playoffs. Tampa Bay has been playing really well. They've won eight of their last 10. They're 19 and 10 in, in first place. They swept the Yankees and Red Sox on the road. Yankees then 16 and 9 in second place. Orioles and Blue Jays are sitting at 500 right now. And then Boston 9 and 20, squarely out of the race. In the NL Central, excuse me, the AL Central, Twins 19 and 10. The, they are uh, one and a one. They are one and a half games ahead of the Indians, who are sitting at seventeen and eleven. White Sox seventeen and twelve. Detroit and Kansas City each have eleven wins. Detroit with fifteen losses. Kansas City seventeen. And so they'll likely be sitting at the bottom there. But I could definitely see Minnesota, Cleveland, and Chicago all making the postseason. Oakland and Houston look like they'll be the two postseason participants from the AL West. Oakland is four and a half games up on Houston already. It'd be great for baseball to see Oakland win the division and not Houston. Oakland's a young, exciting team. Terrific bullpen. Houston, of course, nobody likes them from the sign-stealing scandal. Texas and Seattle both sitting nine and nine and nine and a half games out respectively. And the Angels at nine and 20 are really out of the race for all intents and purposes already halfway into the season. And, uh, you know, it's it's been kind of interesting to see how some of the teams have faltered already early, digging themselves a hole that they may not be able to get out of. And uh, I think that that's a, something that the Brewers, they really need to get on track this week. And if they don't, they won't be able to uh, they won't be able to dig themselves out of it. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, we're going to look at some of the transactions the Brewers made over the past week. Uh, there's one specific notable one, but we'll go over some of the lower level ones. Of course, first Peyton Henry and Aaron Ashby were each added to the Brewers alternate training site. Um, they are guys who will not be in the major leagues this year, but I think that the reason that they were added is because then they are eligible to be traded. You cannot be traded if you were, are not on the alternate training site roster. So Peyton Henry and Aaron Ashby, both mid-level prospects for the Brewers. Ashby, a left-handed pitcher, and Peyton Henry, a catcher. The Brewers then placed Corey Knable on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain. That coming off after the poor outing against the Twins. And uh, they recalled Mark Mathias, utility guy, who then had two doubles on Saturday, actually. And so Brewers making that move. They designated fellow utility man Brock Holt for assignment on Saturday. That was a pretty big move. They had signed him to a free agent contract. Was a very productive player with the Red Sox over the past couple of years. Won a World Series with them. Had a 387 on base percentage last year. And I'm a little bit disappointed to see the Brewers give up on Holt so quickly. Holt uh, is a guy who is kind of a spark plug for an offense when he's when he's playing well. Good guy to have in the clubhouse. And it's surprising to see Stearns give up on him, even in the shortened season, just, just a few weeks into the contract. Even though it was a one-year pact, they still, they still, I thought, could have gotten some production out of him. And I don't really think that Jace Peterson, who they recalled from the alternate training site, will provide any more offense. Kind of an interesting thing to see the Brewers shaking it up there. Overall, not a fan of the move. I think Stearns gives up on players a little bit quicker than than I would like. Uh, we saw this last offseason where he he 
to me, doesn't show enough loyalty to his players. And there's maybe not enough continuity in the organization in that regard. In that Eric Thames, after a few productive seasons, was uh, was his option had his option declined. Travis Shaw, two very good years, one down year, also non-tendered. Um, so those are just two examples of it. Brewers, of course, not re-signing Grindal or Musakis. Those ones with a little bit of heftier price tags, but nonetheless, still still were cutting ties with them. Angel Perdomo was optioned then yesterday to the Brewers' alternate training site. J.P. Fireisen, a fellow reliever, was recalled. Fireisen, the Wisconsin native, made his debut uh, early in the year, pitched uh, one inning, and I think allowed a home run. But good to see him back. He's got pretty good stuff. I think he could be a good guy to have in the bullpen later in the season. And Perdomo's a guy who I think will be back at some point, whether whether this year or or even next year. He's a guy that, that could be in the bullpen for a number of years. He's got a He's got an electric arm. And so just some of the transactions the Brewers made over the past week, uh, I would say more than than usual, but an eventful week for the Brewers overall. And so just something that we haven't done yet this year that I think uh, would be helpful for Brewer fans to know, kind of interesting, is checking up on some old friends, some uh, former Brewers that were with the ball club last year that went elsewhere. There are quite a few of them. Um, I think about 20-plus guys who pitched in or played in some capacity with the Brewers last year that are now with other ball clubs, whether they be in the major leagues or overseas. And so we're just going to take a quick look at that and go through the players. Yasmani Grandal being the first one and the most notable. He's hitting 236 with the White Sox, 352 on base, 0.5 Fangraphs wins above replacement. So he's been pretty productive uh, on the south side of Chicago there. Mike Moustakis, 0.3 Fangraphs wins above replacement, 368 on base, 467 slugging. He's actually been manning second base for Cincinnati. Eric Thames off to a slow start, 218 average, 309 slugging, negative 0.3 fan graphs, wins above replacement for the defending World Series champion Nationals. Trent Grisham's really been the standout performer of any of these guys. He For the Padres, he just had a three-home run game on Saturday, one and a half fan graphs, wins above replacement, which ranks eighth among all position players, 271 average, 381 on base percentage, 533 slugging, and his defense has been really good as well. Kind of a pain to see. Uh, of course, Brewer fans were not happy with the error he made in last year's wild card game. I do definitely do not think that's why the Brewers traded him, but a little bit unfortunate that that's kind of the taste that was left in the Brewers fans' mouth. And Luis Urias, of course, being uh, the headliner in the trade that they received for uh, for Grisham, and so Urias has been off to a pretty good start. So I, I think that that can help mitigate a little bit of the pain of, of trading Grisham. Jesus Aguilar, who was with the Brewers for the first half of last year, is with Miami now, uh, hitting 282, 314 on base, 487 slugging, and just been a hair over replacement level. Hernan Perez is on the Cubs roster, but he's only had five at-bats, one for five so far in the season uh, on the north side. Travis Shaw, north of the border in Toronto, actually I should clarify, in Buffalo, so south of the border. Um, since since they're not playing their home games at the Rogers Center in Toronto. But he's hitting 231, 306 on base, 385 slugging, just a hair over replacement level as well. Shaw's been playing third base, actually. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. moved over to first base. That was Guerrero's preference, and the Blue Jays felt that Guerrero could fit in at first better long term. I would generally agree. He was not particularly strong at, uh, at the AAA level or even the major league level last year at third base. And then a few position players who have played overseas this year. Corey Spangenberg is a member of the Saitama Cebu Lions. 
257 average, 292 on base, 450 slugging. He was a guy who just played briefly in September with the Brewers. Tyler Austin, also another September call-up last year. Now with the Yokohama Dana Bay Stars of the Nippon Professional Baseball League as well. 320 average, 393 on base, 627 slugging. So he has been very good in uh, in Japan. Tyler Shaladino was with the Samsung Lions for a while. I like the Samsung Lions of the Korean baseball organization because of Saladino, but they actually waived him because he was injured and they wanted to clear a spot for, um, I think it was Daniel Palka, a, a power hitting outfielder who went overseas. Saladino hit 280 with a 411 on base and a 477 slugging in his limited time in the KBO. And so moving over to the pitcher side, Zach Davies has a 303 ERA in 35 innings, 1.1 Fangrass wins above replacement for the Padres, another guy going over in the Grisham Urias trade. And so that again is a little bit painful to see for Brewer fans. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I'm glad that some of these brew, former Brewers are thriving in other environments. Uh, Gio Gonzalez on the south side of Chicago as well, along with Grindal, 5.11 ERA in 24 innings, 0.1 Fangrass wins above replacement. Chase Anderson has thrown just nine and two thirds innings, 2.79 ERA with Toronto. Jordan Lyles has been uh, not very good, 9.25 ERA in 25 innings. Drew Pomerantz has yet to allow a run in nine innings um, out of the bullpen in San Diego as well. So San Diego has had actually the Brewers' best position player, pitcher, and relief pitcher for this year that was a member of the club last year. Jeremy Jeffress, a 1.64 ERA in 11 innings with the Cubs. We've seen him a couple times in the series that the Brewers have played against them, and so he's actually been pretty good. Junior Guerra, 4.35 ERA with the Diamondbacks. Taylor Williams, the Mariners' closer, 3.27 ERA, 0.2 fangrafts, wins above replacement, five saves also. And so Williams has been pretty good, as has Jacob Barnes. He has a 4.53 ERA, but his strikeout-to-walk ratio is excellent, indicating he may have some more success in the future. 1.83 fielding independent pitching, which is on the same scale as ERA. So that is phenomenal for Jacob Barnes in the 11 innings that he's pitched so far for the Angels. Yolis Chassin with the Braves, 7.2 ERA, just meaning that he allowed four runs over five innings in the one start that he made. Yolis Guerra, member of the Phillies bullpen, 8.59 ERA. He fits in nicely in the city of brotherly love there with their bad bullpen. And Birch Smith, who's actually been really good with the A's, has a 2.25 ERA. He's allowed a couple runs over 12 innings and uh, 0.4 Fangrass wins above replacement. And then just some of the other guys who are not in Major League Baseball for this year, but Jay Jackson, guy who was a pretty good guy of the, out of the bullpen last year for the Brewers with the Chiba Loti Marines of the Nippon Professional Baseball League. 3.86 ERA allowed three runs over seven innings, but he is no longer a member of the Marines. And then Matt Elbers and Alex Wilson both retired. Matt Elbers being um, the maybe better suited for beer league softball at this point in his life. Alex Wilson, a guy who I think he only appeared in a couple games. I remember he got a save in Cincinnati early in the year. I think it was the game that Freddie Peralta went eight innings and no runs. So Alex Wilson and Elbers are now retired. And then Donnie Hart, Jake Patrishka, and Jimmy Nelson, members of the A's, Blue Jays, and Dodgers organizations, respectively. Hart and Patrichka, I believe, are on the alternate training site rosters. And then Nelson is injured. He had back surgery on July 6th, and so he will be out for the whole year. Um, I believe it's unrelated to the shoulder issues that he was dealing with previously with the Brewers, but... Unfortunate to see, I think pretty much all Brewer fans hope the best for Jimmy Nelson. He's a guy who really, 
unfortunately suffered that that gruesome shoulder injury and really hasn't been able to recover from it. And so I think I think many Brewer fans are are along with me in saying that they hope Jimmy Nelson can uh, can get back on the road to recovery and become a successful big leaguer once again. Shifting gears now for the last part of our podcast today, a former member of the Brewers, many of you may know him not for his time with the Brewers, um, but for his comedic videos, Tim Dillard, a former relief pitcher. He pitched for the Brewers in, uh, I know, 2008. Let me check real quick what other years he played for the Brewers. Um, But he is actually a member of the Milwaukee Milkmen now. So the Milwaukee Milkmen, I think we mentioned them last year, excuse me, last week, briefly on the podcast. They are a a member of the American Association, so they are an independent minor league team that plays their game in Franklin, Wisconsin, uh, a suburb of Milwaukee, and they're at the Rock Sports Complex, but a pretty nice stadium, and I work actually work for the team just around the stadium, uh, usher's duty sometimes. Yeah, so Tim Dillard pitched in 08, 09, 2011, and 2012 with the Brewers, Um, but anyways... Uh, so Tim Dillard is a member of the pitching staff for the Milkmen now, and uh, he is—he's um, a guy who, even though he's maybe not the best pitcher, he keeps getting jobs, and I think it's partly because of his uh, clubhouse influence. He's been in AAA for like 14 years. He was drafted in 02 by the Brewers, so that was the year that the Brewers drafted uh, Prince Fielder. Um, so that was a long time ago. And that was that was actually the year I was born for everyone, just to make uh, everyone seem a little bit older. Sorry, but but Tim Dillard, um, he pitched in 73 games with the Brewers over the course of those four years, and uh, he's a member of their rotation now. And so I was at the ballpark uh, a few days ago, and uh, I was just getting getting the area that I was in ready, and I hear someone say, "Oh, sorry, we borrowed your chair." And I look over, and it's Tim Dillard. So I was like, "Oh, yeah, like no problem." And then I asked to take a picture with him. He kind of scoffed at me, like, "You want a picture with me? Like, why would you? Why would you care about me?" Um, but I, I did take a picture with him and watched the video that he had just been making with a uh, fellow reliever Taylor Ahern of the Milkmen, and uh, it was a kind of kind of a funny video from uh, The Simpsons, is what they were imitating. So usually, what they do is they take a, a scene from a show or a movie or maybe a song and they lip sync. And so, um, and so, I was watching the video and then talked with him just for uh, you know a minute or two, and I, I got the picture and I tweeted it and tagged him. And then he, he sent me a message of a GIF um, of Will Ferrell cheering uh, just, you know, for um, just because uh, we had men, I, I posted the picture. And then I mentioned to him that if he ever needed help with any of his videos, uh, that I was more than willing to help him with the videos. And so I figured maybe if he needs someone to take the video or something like that, I'd be willing to. And so then I, I expected maybe I'd get some vague answer or whatever, which would have been totally fine. But within uh, within like 10 minutes, and th- keep in mind, this is like an hour before the game, he responded to me and said, believe it, let's make one tomorrow. And so I think that was on Wednesday that that happened. So Thursday, I got to the ballpark at uh, 4.30 for a 6.30 game. And I actually was in one of Tim Dillard's comedic videos. We, um, we lip synced to uh, a scene from Zootopia, the children's cartoon movie. And I played the fox. Uh, Tim Dillard played the sloth that is uh, at the DMV, and then Brett Vertigan, who's the center fielder for the Milkmen, he played uh, the bunny, and so that was it was a really fun experience. Tim Dillard uh, is a really down-to-earth guy. Um, you wouldn't know that he's a, a professional baseball player, even though he's he's not like he's had a decorated major league career by any means. 
He still is a, a professional baseball player, pitched for the Brewers, one of the better players in the league right now. He's actually a member of the Rangers organization, so they basically have him on loan to the Brewers, uh, or excuse me, to the Milkmen. But that was a really fun experience that I was able to have. Uh, the next day, I was just in my section um, doing my ushering duties, and I look over, and Tim Dillard's waving at me from the dugout. So, uh, kind of cool, but... Um, but if you haven't checked out that video, check it out. I'll tweet it out on our, our Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast um, page. And so that was a really fun experience. And it's been fun to see games at, at Franklin Field is the name of the ballpark. If you haven't been there, I'd recommend checking out it out, especially if you are in the Milwaukee area. Um, tickets are, are relatively inexpensive. And it's a, a family-friendly environment. Pretty high-quality baseball uh, Kyle Lesneski he's the um the editor-in-chief I believe for Brew Crew Ball he's an employee of the team um some other guys that play on the team as well that you might uh, be aware of Drew Hutchison former Blue Jays pitcher Henderson Alvarez former Marlins Blue Jays and Phillies pitcher he was an all-star in 2014 with the Marlins through a no-hitter I believe at the end of that year maybe in 2013 uh, so he's a member of the team as well. David Washington made a, a cameo with the, the Orioles a few years ago. He's a first baseman. Adam Walker from uh, Milwaukee Lutheran. He was a, a prospect of the Twins for a while, and so he's also a member of the ball club, but it's it's a really fun environment, and I'd recommend checking it out. We are having uh, up to 35% capacity, so um, late in the season, we have about, I think about two weeks left of games and so i'd highly recommend checking out milkman games tim dillard's next start i believe is on friday of this week um so if you can um that would be a game that you could go to uh, if you want to see the former brewer tim dillard but uh anyways a fun experience i was able to be in his video and and he was awesome and so just wanted to share the quick story with you um but but I guess that wraps up our podcast episode today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, the Brewers are struggling a little bit. Hopefully they can get it back together over the next week. Just looking ahead at the at the Brewers schedule a little bit over these next few days. And uh, they are playing the Reds. They're going to be at home at Miller Park. They uh, they capped off their home their uh, excuse me their road trip uh, against the Pirates, and they have a four game set at home against Cincinnati before playing three games at home against Pittsburgh. And so, um, actually, wait, actually, now that I look at it, it will be a, a four game Friday to Monday set against Pittsburgh. So that's a little bit different. Um, they're, I think they're trying to get a, maybe a makeup game in, but either way, uh, Brewers pretty much never have Friday to Monday, um, series, but Reds and Pirates Brewers need to take care of business here. Um, if they don't get it back together, you know, they're not really going to be in contention for much longer. And so, Hopefully they can get it back together. The offense being really the the area that they need to improve upon. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. And so thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. And uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, just uh, tweet at us. You can DM us, email us at bleedingblueandyellowpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Or, uh, or check out our website. You can contact us on our website as well. Um, check out any of our blog posts. We have a number of blog posts up there. And so uh, thank you for tuning in again and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.